48-hour art check. Best of podcast. We go live Monday, Wednesday on YouTube, 9 p.m. California time, and you can join us there live in the chats or watch them later. You can always check things out at coreykerr.com slash 48HR. We take the best conversations from those live streams and rip them and put them into this podcast. Today's topic is seasons, and uh, there's there's a there's a proverb and a song that you know say that uh, you know there's a time and season for everything, and um, this is sounding really ominous now that we kind of like we kind I know of like it's not as dark this. as it sounds. No, so don't worry, guys. <laughs> um, basically, we have been doing for I don't know how long, probably over a year, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so. Um, However long, if you take 141 and divide it by three, whatever that is, uh, number of weeks, we've been doing this for a long time, uh, three a week. And for the last, I'd say maybe two weeks, uh, I've been feeling kind of like it's become too much. Yeah. And, uh, and so we just, I just suggested to Josh after, after Monday's episode, I said, Hey, wh- how do you, how do you feel about, uh, how do you feel about taking this down to two a week instead of three a week? Yeah. And, uh, and so that's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to lop off Friday. What, what I was finding was I feel like Fridays, which sometimes became Saturdays or Sundays instead of Fridays, we typically don't miss Monday or Wednesday. Um, but I mean, that's like date night and that's like a weekend and that's whatever. And it, and exactly a lot of that third episode tended to be like either rushed or whatever. And I, and so this is what's going to happen. Josh and I are going to continue to check in with each other. Um, yeah. But that third check-in in, in each week is not going to be live and is, is probably honestly just going to be maybe a quick five-minute conversation via like some sort of texting or messenger service where it yeah. just say like, hey, here's what I made. Check it out. And then we like talk to each other for a few minutes. Um, and I actually feel really good about it. I'm really excited about it. Me too. I think it's going to make the content that like, like for instance, I think like this is a much better art check than some of them that we've done. And it's partially because we're rested and we're amped and we're interested and we're engaged and stuff. And then I think like thinking about it, like Fridays usually end up being kind of just a friend check in anyway. Right. And so in that case, it doesn't really make a ton of sense to like broadcast it. Cause right now we have the habit ingrained. Um, And, and to me, like, whether it's in front of a bunch of people or not, like I still am going to want to on Friday have something to show Corey. Right. <laughs> um, and so I think it kind of, it, it still serves the function, but it just makes it more achievable and doable. And it also like, I agree, it, it frees up our, our Friday. Um, and that was definitely one of those scenarios where just um, if you're out there and you're on a collaborative project, you know, um, sometimes like speaking about that kind of thing is good because that's something I was thinking too. Yeah. And I'm really thankful, um, Corey, that you brought that up because it actually, it, it really was like, Oh, thank you. <laughs> Cause it's definitely one of those things of like, once again, it's no ominous thing where we want to like call it or, or something like that. It's just more of like, we hate each other now and don't want to talk to each other anymore. That's yeah. I'm yeah. so over it, Corey. Done. It's done. <laughs> um, but no, but you know what I mean? It's like one of those, um, I, I think it's very helpful because it, it did, um, 
it, it just vibes well with me too. And I did notice too, like, it's like once you, once you mentioned it too, I was like, yeah, every Friday we, we usually are pushing it because yeah. we want our Friday night. And I think, um, I think this just works. It makes perfect sense. So I hope you guys in the chats are like, are cool with it too. Um, Tim, and, Tim uh, says he's done. He says, that's it. I'm not watching anymore. <laughs> so. Oh no, Tim, we don't want to lose you. Um, well, Chris said it's still a solid schedule, so yeah. take that. No, right. um, Bye, but yeah, so yeah. So yeah, yeah I think uh, I, I think it's good. And, and here's 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 why I like this is I think um, in my life as I've matured, like I'm can I if I'm 39, can I still say I'm approaching 40, or I'm just basically 40? I don't know. But like you know, as I approach 40, which you know could yeah. be 27 or whatever. Um, you know, as I've matured, I, I used to do things uh, kind of like a neuron, kind of like all or nothing. And and one of, and and this is recently. I mean, if you go back to my production schedule uh, pre forty eight hour art check, yeah, um, it was it was very much like pedal to the metal. You know, kill myself for a few days and then take yeah. a break for a few days. I was producing quite a bit. Um, it not in a healthy way though. And it wasn't, it wasn't evened out. And, um, and I remember when I, like, when I started getting into this, right. Um, boy, that was, uh, 2012 was when I kind of started doing comics and drawing and all that. And, um, then I had to get a master's and I literally with family, full-time job, uh, full-time web comic where I was, you know, like producing more than a page a week from like pencils all the way to finish colors and lettering. Um, and then I added like two, five credit classes every 10 weeks. Like that was something I had to give. And so I had to stop the comic and I, and I've never gone back to that comic. Um, I, I, I mean, I rewrote how I would do it if I, if I did revisit it. Yeah. Um, but s- kind of recently in the last, maybe like two to four years, I feel like I've gotten a lot better at being more nuanced in my balance instead of like an all or nothing thing where it's like, I'm just going to do, you know, do this one thing all the time and it's going to be whatever. It's kind of like every time I work out, like I was a three sport athlete in high school and now I'm like 35 pounds overweight and you know, whatever. But like every time I start working out, um, my mind is like, you're 17, you know, you weigh 135 pounds, you can bench 205 and squat 325, you know, and those, I, I could do that at 17, but not at 39. Right. And so I try to do those things. I'm able to do it. And then I want to die for three days. And so then I don't do it for months. And, and, and I feel like doing this is good because I like that I've matured to the point where I'm like, this thing has become more stressful than fun. Yeah. Instead of killing it, I think if I readjust and reassess, it'll be fun again. Yeah. Cause I really, en- yeah. I really enjoy it. And I, and I, I've gotten a lot out of it. It's become a huge part of my life. And it's, you know, like you and I have gotten to know each other really well. And I think it's really awesome. And so I think, I think 10 years ago, I would have just been like, sorry, dude, I'm out. Like I've got to, I've got to do my own thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Whereas now I'm like, I, th- I think I could get back to like where it's not stressing me out and it's really fun and I have more time and, and whatever. Yeah. And, and so I, I like that I've, and I'm just tooting my own heart here, but I like that I've gotten to the point where like a minor adjustment 
is what is my yeah. first reaction rather than like a kill it. Yeah. No, I, I'm the same way um, because I, I used to be an all or nothing type guy. And oddly enough, very similarly, it was from a failed graphic novel that I finished. But um, like that, that really caused me that whole experience of kind of doing that. Um, oh, uh, Chris just quoted Bane, and I guess it's pretty good. Um, you fight like a younger man with nothing held back. Admirable, but mistaken. And that's pretty good. Um I think the older person tends to fight battles that are, are sustainable and can win. I, I shouldn't say older, the more mature I'd say. So I think that's actually pretty good. Um, but I, but I would say like, I learned a bunch of valuable lessons from that, which was one is like, you know, just getting the pages done doesn't equate to pages you're happy with at the end. Right. And if it doesn't, and then once you've done like, you did a high quantity of pages. I think you got like what sixty something. I hit I hit about sixty in in uh, just a little over a year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so like you know you end up with like sixty pages or something under your belt, and then when you have that moment of like pausing and kind of looking back, you can be like, oh, like I learned a lot, so yeah. I wouldn't take it back. Right. But I also learned something really valuable about the time I want to spend on my pages. Because if I'm not investing the right time to make it right, then I'm going to end up with like five years from now being like, what was I doing? <laughs> you know? yeah. um, and, 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 and once again, I'll learn valuable lessons on the way, but it's, it's much more, I think, better to kind of readjust and make it something that's worthwhile, worth the investment. So I think that's really cool. Um, and I would, I would throw that out there. Um, I think as an artist, it's this fine balance. And I think Corey and I always end up on the other end of the balance where a lot of artists struggle with the self-discipline and the kind of building the habit. Whereas I think we struggle with kind of overdoing it on the plate filling because we're just hyper type A type people. And <laughs> and I think existentialism has something to do with that. I, I think if yeah. you're really honest with yourself, I, I, I'll tell you... I wrote, this is kind of embarrassing, I guess, but I wrote a, uh, what do you call the letter that you, a cover letter, right? That, that you include with the job application. Um, my cover letter for the current job that I have right now started with, from a very young age, I knew I was going to die. That was my opening line of a cover letter to have me teach young people. Um, and it's, it was because when I was, when I was seven, like two of my brothers were killed in a car accident. And so I, I think as an existentialist, part of existentialism is you recognize that death gives your life value. Right. And yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying that in like a worshiping death type thing or like a pro suicide or whatever, but like the fact that you have um, like, scarcity right the laws yeah. of the laws of scarcity the the more rare and more scarce something is the more valuable it is if i was uh you know it's kind of like brad pitt and troy like you know the gods envy us because we die you know whereas they live forever you know and every every day you know who cares what happens that day because you have an infinite amount of days i don't have an infinite amount of days um at some yeah. point in time i'm going to be done and i don't know if that's tomorrow or if that's you know 60 years from now i have no idea but uh, what I produce in the yeah. here and now, um, you know, is, is partially the, one of the only ways that, that 
on this earth, I can be eternal, right? Is, is, uh, is it, you know, I have the potential to make something that might, might linger beyond me or might, 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 I might say or do or produce something that affects some, the way that somebody thinks or acts or behaves. Uh, and, and that, that is a way of kind of having, having my presence extend beyond me. And so I have this, I, you could probably call it morbid, uh, view on production where, um, you know, and I, I jokingly say I'll sleep when I'm dead, you know, uh, but, and so I make some sacrifices because I feel like I, I want to live my life without regret and I do regret not producing things. Hmm. So, no, and I, I, I think, um, I think that that's a really super important thing because it, 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 it I think until you're aware, uh, I mean, this is dark, you know, but it's like, until you're aware of death and the fact that it's this impending outcome that every single person, every creative is going to face that someday. Yep. And, um, and, and it's, it's, it's a, like, it's one of those things that like, it's, it, it's called an existential crisis when a kid like first has like a pet or something die. I still haven't had to go through that with my kid. I'm not looking forward to it. It's not a fun, it's not a fun moment. Yeah. But what's weird is I think there's personalities and I'm, I'm definitely one of them where that is always looming Yeah. Uh, in my head and not like as an anxiety, um, but just as a reality. Yeah. And so like, to me, being aware of that reality as a creative, I, th- I think, I mean, it's going to sound like overhyped and overinflated, but I think if you want to be an artist, if you face death, um, and I don't mean like are dying, that's a rough thing to go through, but right. face the reality of it. Um, you'll notice this weird thing happen with your productivity. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to go up because it's like, once again, it's also, even if it's, even if you don't take the stance of like, I want to make stuff that lasts, you're still going to want to um, at least, uh, you know, if you have that desire to create and make stories um, like we, we started this off with where I think, uh, what, what was it Chris said in the chats early on where he said, um, oh, Mike said, wait, you, you mean we actually have to make stuff? And uh, Chris said, I've got a great idea for a novel, everyone, right? <laughs> um, bringing that from humor to just reality like if you have a great idea for a novel, how long is it going to take you to write a novel? I mean, that's just a good question to ask because what is that? 10 years? Is that five years, four years, one year? Um, That's a year of your life. Like, right. And you only have so many, it's, it's a finite resource. So if you're not working on it now, like when do you expect it to happen? And then like, while Corey and I both have religious beliefs and stuff, we're not mystics. Like, like I don't expect that it'll just be dropped in my lap and done for me. Yeah. And so that's something to kind of keep in mind too, unless you kind of believe in magic. Um, you know, you, you actually have to be the agent to make change and make things happen. And so like, um, which can actually be really empowering. You know, this is where existentialism comes into play because the second you realize you're the agent, to make change happen, to make things happen. Um, then you have agency, right? Yeah. Which is like a huge, uh, a huge awakening for an artist, I think. Yeah. Or, um, or just any, any person. Yeah. If, if you realize that, uh, 
and and this is this is what I like about this type of philosophy and and why I choose to live kind of a modified version of it. I think every everything in existentialism is a modified version of existentialism, but um, but the the reason that I that I I tend to trend towards it is because um, it's the most powerful position to be in, right? If, if you're and I think everybody does this by by way of of self preservation is yeah. uh, you you want to protect yourself and and being responsible for failures and being responsible for an action that hurts and so we we're our natural instinct is to not hurt and so we want to come up with excuses of why that's not our fault and mitigate that pain but the fact of the matter is if I take a hundred percent responsibility for what goes on in my life. Yeah. Um, whether that's true or not, and whether whether people would judge that accurate and say, no, that actually was somebody else doing that to you or whatever, um, that's a weak position to take. Where the strong position to take is, I, I have no excuses. No matter what happens in my life, I have no excuses. I've decided that I want to do something, and uh, and, I, and I'm going to make that happen. And, and something that Chris said... Um, it can seem a heavy philosophy, but if the result is joy and having created, I think it transmutes into a positive. And yeah. so like thinking this way seems seems harsh and it seems heavy, but I'm actually a really happy person. I'm very content most of the time with what's going on. I'm I tend not to be satisfied with things. I tend to be very dissatisfied with most things uh, in myself and in my work and in in, in in my surroundings which actually drives me to do something about it. Cause I remember my yeah. dad telling me as a kid, like that I'm not allowed to complain something, complain about something unless I'm willing to do something to fix it. Um, and, and that, that the idea that uh, you're ultimately responsible to take action um, is, is really freeing because yes. I know at the end of most days, not every day, uh, but that's, that's what I had to give that day and, and, and whatever I accomplished, uh, I have no, I have no regrets and I have no excuses. Um, yeah. that's just what happened. You know, I, I made those choices. I, I, I pushed as hard as I could on that thing. Um, uh, I needed a break. So I took one and, you know, or whatever that, that type of behavior of like, you know, this is what I needed to do to be able to be who I've decided that I want to be. Um, yeah. that, that's a. That feels really good. I feel like I'm like preaching here, but like it. Oh no, I think very fulfilling think, to live that way. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and I think like it's also fulfilling for friendships because like here, here, here's one thing that I think Corey and I have in common is like we've both gone through like some pretty rough patches and stuff in the sure. last you know since we started this, and that's just life. I mean, life is full of like a bunch of odds and ends, and if you're a pure existentialist, you tend to kind of think it's got a dark outcome and a lack of meaning, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's, it, it, it teeters on absurd. Um, and yet the cool thing is I've never had a point talking to Corey where either of us are, we'll, we'll do the complaining sessions that friends do, you know, but rarely do those end without a solution or without one of us being like, you know, I'm thinking of these two things, like there's always a solution at the end or an attempt to get to a solution. And I think that's, um, that's the only productive way to kind of, to go about things. Because like, once again, if you dwell on the unchangeable, then you're unchangeable. Yeah. And that's, that's a, um, that's, that's a, 
that's a pretty secure endpoint. And at that point, like if you know that you've reached the pinnacle of the game or whatever, there's it, it's kind of silly to keep playing the game. Right. And the only way you can kind of keep playing the game is like maybe there's another path, maybe there's another direction, maybe there's another roll of the dice, maybe there's like you look at this web of possibility um and and suddenly it opens up like productivity and it opens up like the ability as an artist and once again like if you can't push through hardship you're gonna have trouble creating art and and outside of creating art just like living life or like sustaining a marriage or um sustaining like a family (laughs) you know because hardships hardships part of it and like and part of it requires just these stepping back and and creating uh new pathways and like you know, doing things like scaling back on this thing because that's not working, but let's reframe it, see if that works. Um, it, it just takes flexibility, you know? Um, and, and I also, tacking on to what you said there, like things are going to get hard, they're going to be good, they're going to be bad. Um, I, I It's always bothered me the, the what I what seems to me, and I don't want to judge anybody's, anybody's uh, viewpoint on life because that's not what I'm about, but like... To me, for me, if I were to take that what seemed like kind of rose-colored goggles, like super optimistic, uh, regardless of whatever is going on in your life, and it's like that overly weird cheeriness that seems strikes me as false. Um, I don't think that's helpful, and and sometimes it's yeah. okay to say uh, this sucks and I'm sad or I'm yeah. mad or, you know, and it's like, it's okay to be like, it's okay to experience, you know, the negative side of things. Um, and I, and I don't think, uh, I don't think in a lot of ways, um, a lot of like the self-help stuff where it's like, you know, like pull yourself up by your bootstraps and blah, 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 blah. Like, I think, I think just admitting like, no, this, this particular situation is hard. That's an yeah. okay thing. The fact yeah. that I'm struggling with it is an okay thing. Yeah. Um, giving in and giving up is not okay, yes. but it's okay to acknowledge that there is a struggle in, in what's happening right now. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah. And, and, and I, and I feel like that's actually, that's actually more, more real and authentic than pretending otherwise. And then there's kind of that balance between dwelling in something that isn't causing you you know, positive stuff too much. You know, there's some useful usefulness in kind of working through and being involved and being present in kind of that stuff. And then there's some staying too long in that, um, you know, and and, and it, it starts to fester and become problematic. Um, yeah. But I think it also festers and become problematic if you pretend like it doesn't exist and ignore it. Yes. And it's a fine line. But I, but I think a perfect example is like, I think we've all met um, like young artists or somebody who has like an inflated view of their capability and you see what they're doing and like anyone objectively, I mean, especially when you teach, because a lot of students will come in with this. Um, And sometimes it's like the highest performing students. So like, rightfully so they have a little bit of pride in what they're doing because they're way further than their peers they're just not aware that like it's a short peer i guess <laughs> just yeah. to keep like to do a wordplay or whatever but it's like it um it, it it's never becoming i think to have 
too inflated of a view of yourself. And similarly, like too rosy of glasses can start to come across not as confidence and positivity, but as just denial and um, ignorance, you know, <laughs> because it's, it's, it's a, um, you know, which is weird because I think there probably is a lot of joy to that. Like if, if, I went through my life, um, like I, I do management. And if I went through my life as a manager, just thinking I am a perfect manager, I have, I have reached the pinnacle of, of leading people. It's not a puzzle that great leaders throughout all of history have struggled with and never really perfected. No, this is like, I have perfected that. And so I mean, that would be, I, I can imagine a very comforting thing for myself, but I think that would be a nightmare for my staff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and and I, I wonder about that level of self-delusion. Mm -hmm. If deep down it's actually, if it's actually, if it actually works, you know what I mean? Like I've, I've met people who in my estimation seem to have deluded themselves into, into that level of estimation of themselves. But I wonder if really as they're as they're going to sleep at night and things are quiet you know if yeah. they if they don't really know that they're they're lying to themselves there's <laughs> there's, there's got to be there the, just I would hope I would hope that there's got to be some trace of something but yeah. then I don't know but then you have you know then you've got sociopaths and stuff and so yeah they're fine with that <laughs> I don't, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know, but I wonder, it, it makes me, it makes me question things. If, if someone would be able to actually delude themselves to the point um, of being so blind to hurting other people with your actions that you're unaware of it um, or, or whatever, like killing the part of yourself that empathizes with other human beings. I, I, I but then at the same time, you know, you see, People do horrible things, and I don't know. So I don't know. Maybe I'm. Maybe that's just the hopeful side of me, hoping that that they're suffering somehow because because they're yeah. causing suffering. I don't know. Well, I, I do think there's there's some truth to like. I mean, this is in fiction a lot, and and this ties into writing too. I know we're getting kind of rambly, but I just love where we're delving because well, we're both <laughs> like nerds about existentialism, so it's a fun topic to crack open. But I mean, there is a little bit of truth to like. This, this is where the spiritual component comes in, in the sense of like, I do think it's apparent people have like some kind of soul or ethic that's a lot different than animals. And, and yeah. you guys don't have to take that to a religious standpoint. I just think we all kind of know there's like a right and a wrong. And it's this weird morality that may not even be observable external to people. But I do think this weird thing happens when you kind of allow yourself to do unethical things like like if you allow yourself to go against that like rule, your own moral code, um, I think you lose a little bit of the code. Yeah. Like I think the more and more you do it, like the more it, it's like just self-justification. So I do think sometimes, um, sometimes when you meet people who are like un unusually um, happy um, with scenarios and like, just put on the rose colored glasses. I used to have a joke about it that there's a type of optimism that's frightening. And that's the optimism when, you know, after September 11th happens, they go, well, on the plus side, like there's new real estate, you know, like we, we can, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, that's an appropriate thing to like, it, it, the more appropriate response is like, 
that's terrible. It's a horrible that's terrible. tragedy. Yeah. And things like that happen. And, and generally like there's, there's a point of optimism where it could be hurtful to be optimistic, like to yourself, to your community. And, um, and, and that doesn't mean you don't carry on. It, it's just more of a, it's that line that Corey was talking about where you don't, you don't go full bore into the delusion that, um, like, you know, there's that cartoon of the dog who's on fire. Who's like, everything's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> um, the meme, like, you don't want to be that dog. Like if your house is on fire, take some action, like figure it out. Um, and, and and like, to me, I think that's a, a really fine line, but I do think that must start with like little delusions. Now, you now, you, now you've triggered a long held belief of mine that completely contradicts what I just said. I'm going to argue with myself. So uh, because of what you just said, it was, it was so well said. And I started thinking it through. I actually, like I actually believe that it's impossible for people um, to do bad things without first justifying it to themselves that it's somehow good. I, I yeah. don't actually pe- I don't actually pe- I don't actually think people are like, I'm going to be evil. Yes, I think th- you know it's like that idea of like everybody's the hero in their own story. Um, yes. It's 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 incredible, not in the impress, not in the sense of it being impressive, but the fact that it was not credible to think that somebody would, um, would be able to operate and do any. We we all delude ourselves. I mean, the fact that I, you know, the fact that I eat garbage, uh, and 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 you know, and then in the same and then and then in the same moment. And, you know, I'm annoyed that I'm in the shape that I'm in, uh, you know, while I'm walking down the eighth piece of pizza. At some point in time during that process, I have justified a series of, of yeah. decisions um, that, are like, not, that are not in my best interest, right? Yeah. So, no, it makes- and, I, and I believe it at the time because I act on it. Yeah. So, so like there's strong- some level of that. I, I keep cutting you off. I'm sorry. But there's some no, level, no. there's some level of that where, to act on something, you have to believe the lie enough to follow through. Even if you're doing yourself or others harm, you have to convince yourself that it's good f- for something or you wouldn't do it because we act u- ultimately only in our own self-interests. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I, I mean, a perfect example is like you, you drive on the freeway, you cut someone off. It's always like, you know, it's wrong to cut somebody off on the freeway, but you're like, I'm in a rush. Like I'm like, you, you justify the scenario as if everyone on that freeway doesn't have a destination. Right. And, and and like, I say that being somebody who drives in LA. So of course I've cut people off. Like it's, (laughs) it's inevitable. Um, But the, but the point being like, it is interesting how in order to do it, you have to either dehumanize the person in the other car, like, you know, like, well, they're just a jackass and they're not driving quick enough. That's why. Right. right? Like there's a, that's why. Had they done something differently, my actions, which are completely justified, would have made yeah. more sense to them because they're okay. Driver. Yeah. I'm a perfect driver. It's their bad driving that made me drive like a jerk. <laughs> Who is the comedian that said that uh, almost everyone believes that they're above av- an above average driver? Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, but yeah, the, you know, the math doesn't add up. But no. The, but the no, thought does. Okay, so we've uh, we've covered that we're going down to two days a week. 
Uh, mm-hmm. We covered that we're all going to die. Uh, we covered uh, deep, deep and existential dread. Uh, do, should we? Uh, should we go? Should we go on or, or just say no. I don't know where the end of this conversation is, other than uh, the thread. I think the thread that's going through this is like there, there's a positive outcome if if you look towards solutions. And, um, and, and so like kind of tying into what we capped it off with, I think, or we started it with was, was this idea of like juggling too many plates is kind of a result of looking into the dark face of death. (laughs) Right. Because if you do, you're like, well, I got to make what I do count. Right. Because what you do counts. Um, but along with that, um, when you take on that weight, understand like you have community you have family, you have also free agency. And so you can choose to take out some plates, right? You can kind of adjust, you can be adaptable. You're not a robot, do things robots can to, to quote what Corey always talks about. Um, we won't get into the robot apocalypse because that'll be another hour and a half. I have a, I have a great way to tie this up because yes. you, you, just, you just introduced this. Uh, lo- looking into the fact that you have a limited amount of time uh, on this earth, uh, should drive you to be productive, but not so productive that you actually hasten your death and shorten the amount of days that you have, because, uh, it is possible to be so productive that you slip a disc because you haven't left your drawing table or you stress yourself out, uh, with, with significantly high levels of cortisol and adrenaline to the point where your heart gives out. Um, yeah. You've defeated the purpose at that point. So yep. thus back to the original thing, balance and not uh, not an all or nothing thing. Look at that. We did wrap this up. Well done. We, did. we had intention this whole time. <laughs> all right. Um, thanks to everybody in the chats. It's been so fun, man. Um, and you guys made it really fun. So uh, really active chat. Sorry if we didn't get to kind of uh, replace or talk about like what, what was in the chats. Just too much going on. It's awesome. So if you guys are watching this, check out the chats. Uh, check out Corey's work at CoreyKerr.com. Check out the podcast at CoreyKerr.com backslash 48HR. And if you're listening to this, I think it will be a podcast. I think it was good content. Um, leave us a four-star review on uh, iTunes and uh, whatever podcast listening device you're listening to. If this is the robot future and you're a robot, leave leave a nice one. Um and then uh, the last bit I would say is uh, go to quarterlystories.com um, and uh, that that will be refreshed and renewed in a little bit. So a uh, little little sneak trailer uh, as to like, you know, probably going to be adding joshwakemble.com on there and you'll probably be able to see some of those failed graphic novels and actually read them because I'll have a functional website. <laughs> so um, yeah, thanks to everybody who joined us in the chats again and uh, we will see you guys um on Monday. Yes. Uh, that's the new schedule. And Corey, I will be texting you on Friday with my progress. Yeah, so we are not. And Vic, Victor, Victor is asking, what was the surprise? Uh, the surprise is that we're going from three days a week to two days a week. That's yeah. maybe, I think it's, I, I think I'm realizing this is a, a significantly bigger deal to you and I than it is to anybody else. Everybody else is like, cool, yeah. I don't care, whatever. <laughs> But, <laughs> so that was the surprise. We said that at the beginning, but yeah, that was, that was it is we're just changing the schedule. 
It's still a 48 hour art check. It's just going to be, it's going to be every 48 hours, but only two of the three are going to be live. So that's, mm. that's the surprise. So you guys have a good weekend because we're not going to see you on Friday. And so we'll see you on Monday and we are out. Mm-hmm. Bye.